You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 40, A Year of Adventure. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gang. We did it! <laughs> we did it! We did it, we made it a year, that means we're done. Bye guys, this is the last episode. I'm kidding, kidding. Hey, hey, <laughs> We haven't even finished our Dalek story reviews. So no. Why would we finished? <laughs> Anyways, we made it a year, Paul. I'll just be honest with you. I'm kind of excited and happy and a little bit amazed. Um, <laughs> you know? Yes. I'm just going to throw it out there. Guys, I've never done this before. And Jason gave me my first opportunity, and I am eternally grateful. This is awesome for me. Yes. So for those of you who are going, what, 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 what's going on? Yes, <laughs> Talking Time Lords started at the end of May 2015. We are now around the end of May. It's not the exact anniversary date that this is being released, but... Close enough for government. Close enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we kicked this off about a year ago, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And we've talked about a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so we're, we're not picking up back up with our dog story reviews this episode. We'll We'll get back to that. Later, and we'll give you an idea of what, what's, what's going to be coming down the pipe here at the end of the episode uh, in the near future. But we had to take time out to talk about this and, you know, what what we've talked about, some of our favorite things. And then another little topic that we're adding into this, but we'll get to that in a minute. So indulge us. Let us talk about ourselves for a change. D- yeah. <laughs> so obviously I've I've been a podcaster. I have a, another podcast, for those of you who don't know, called uh, The Wampa's Lair Podcast. It's a Star Wars podcast. And that has been going for, oh goodness, at this point, a little over four and a half years. Yeah. It'll be five years at the end of October, which is mind-boggling to think about. But Star Wars was my, my first geeky love. And then when I started getting into Doctor Who, to the extent that I am, I was like, I just want to be able to talk with somebody about Doctor Who on a regular basis. And so I need a podcast to do that. It took me 
oh gosh, probably five or six months to really get it up and moving and off the ground and interviewing co-hosts, <laughs> uh, which is something I had never done in my life before. And Paul managed to get his interview in just at the wire before I was, because I had a, I had a cutoff date uh, that I wanted to get everybody in. That way I wasn't just sitting out there waiting for everybody to, you know, go get back to me. And Paul was like, I'm trying to get mine in. Life is getting in the way. And I was like, okay, okay, well, don't worry about it. It doesn't, you know, it probably doesn't help my situation that I was making my answers extremely wordy. Uh, and it, that's not necessarily intentional because if you guys have been listening to the show for any length of time at all, you know I can talk. So yes. I, that kind of rubs off on the paper as well. So, you know, yes, it is what it is. Um, and <laughs> and Paul and one other guy I ended up, you know, doing Skype interviews with uh, to, you know, follow up with because I, I made an application that I sent out to people because I was like, I'm going to take this seriously. Even though the podcast not going to be serious at all. <laughs> After all that, Paul was the one who, of course, emerged as the the top contender here because he had the broad knowledge set and the fandom and the gift of gab and all that stuff. Um, so, so, if you don't like what I bring to the show, blame Jason. Th- yes. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Not that everybody else that, that applied didn't have that as well, but Paul was just the one that managed to to stick out in my mind. We, you might find this interesting. Mm-hmm. I had been listening to the Doctor Who podcast, and the last episode of that podcast was March the 1st. They ended it. They said, we're not doing it anymore. We're just, you know, hanging it up. They never really gave a reason publicly that I know of why they did that, other than they just wanted to move on and do something else. March the 1st, that was their last episode that they released. And so I was going, now what do I listen to about Doctor Who? You know, and and then (laughs) I'm literally, I think, two or three weeks later, I think I'm listening to Wampa's Lair, and Jason puts out the call for co-hosts, and I'm like, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> and so, you know, it turns out I went from listening to a podcast about Doctor Who to making a podcast about Doctor Who that I now go back and listen to myself. So, <laughs> it's kind of interesting how those things work out. <laughs> but we managed to get our, our first episode out uh, right before I went to Phoenix Comic Con last year. Because I wanted at least one episode out before I went out there and, and you know, tried to mention it to, like, three people. But I um, wanted it to be official. Yes, I wanted it to be official, and it was <laughs> official. Uh, and, of course, this year I'm getting ready to go back, and we'll, we'll tell you all about that at the end of the show. It's kind of cool. Uh, Phoenix Comic Con coincides with the birth of Talking Time Lords, if you will. <laughs> but some of the things that we've managed to discuss over this year, we've covered quite – the range of topics. Obviously, while the new series was airing, we reviewed those shows. We have started what has become a mountain that we are eating <laughs> one bite at a time in our Dalek episode reviews. And we have just, as of this recording, completed the classic series of, of Dalek episodes, uh, which means we've got about half of the Dalek stories still to go with the current series, I think, mm, maybe? Yeah, something like that. 
we've done a few companion episodes featuring Rose and Amy and Sarah Jane. We want to get some more of those in there sooner or later. And then we've had a couple of, you know, other random episodes that have been fun to do. Like our top five doctors and top five companions and all that fun stuff. And we also want feedback from you guys so that we know if there's certain topics that you guys want us to talk about as well. Exactly. But it's it's been a blast to do. And then, of course, we had our first big news <laughs> item that we were able to talk about a couple episodes ago with the companion introduction. So that was kind of cool to be able to jump on that and be, you know, reacting to something big in Doctor Who fandom. You know, that was... Yeah, all the news we had before that was, like, small stuff. Yeah, it was like, yeah. oh, and the show's going to be starting soon. And we have a trailer, and that's cool, and which was cool. But well, we have the names um, of the episode titles, but we don't know anything about them. Right. (laughs) So there was a lot of speculation, but this is something huge because by the time we started the podcast, obviously we we'd already had the new Doctor, Clara was still the companion, so it wasn't something like big earth shattering changing. It was just like the new season is coming. These are the episodes. This is the trailer. That's really cool. What can we (laughs) speculate about that? Which we did, and we did all that uh, because everyone was doing that. But I like the fact that we've been able to actually talk about something almost earth-shaking, brand new <laughs> about Doctor Who. And if you want to hear what we've got to say about that, go back and listen to the episode. Yes, it's our Talking Time Lords bonus episode entitled Bill Who. Before we, we move on to our other topic, Paul, was there anything memorable, super memorable about the first year of uh, Well, it was my first official opportunity to be a webmaster. And you've done a great job. You know, um, I've I've done things like that before. Uh, It's more of a hobby, I guess. But this was more semi-professional, I guess, you know, because of uh, doing it for the the podcast and everything. And so that was really great fun. And, you know, it's nice to be able to find out what you can do that you didn't necessarily know that you could do. So that's been a, a kind of... Labor of love, I guess you'd say. Um, and I'm still trying to learn a little bit about that as I go so that I can try to make it even better. Yeah, that's been cool. Being able to kind of build a, a, a bit of a community has been cool. I've met some people online, you know, um, and had some really cool conversations with some other Whovians and stuff. And that's been kind of cool, meeting new people. And so it's... It's not just been the experience of, quote, learning how to podcast. It's been the entire experience of becoming a part of a bigger community, you know, learning new skills, things like that, other than just sitting down at a microphone and talking, you know. It's been pretty cool. Awesome. It's always cool to, to talk to people who, who are newer at the whole podcasting thing than I am. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of... of of those early years, <laughs> uh, which is so weird to say, and I'm well, sorry. You know, it's uh, interesting because I'm the older of the two of us, and he's mm-hmm. the more seasoned veteran at doing this than I am. So, you know, yeah. it, we're kind of playing reverse roles here. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's funny. It's funny. But uh, you bring a whole new perspective when it comes to a lot of these things uh, with the show. Makes me very happy. Um <laughs> Well, that's just the way my brain works, you know. I, I analyze everything in my life, you know. <laughs> and it's not necessarily always a good thing. My wife can sometimes get a little agitated because I analyze things too much. Well. <laughs> but she under she understands me and we're cool. So, well, that's good. You know. 
<laughs> as, at least that's a great you know point of understanding for you guys. All right. Well, it's, it's it helps when you're married to a geek girl, you know. Uh, that that kind of helps things because she can kind of understand where I'm coming from because she does the same thing but just in different ways. So gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta love that. Do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next for the rest of the show? Uh well, we we talked about our Doctor Who story uh, as our first episode, kind mm-hmm. of our history of you know how we got into the fandom, things like that. So this episode. We're kind of going back to that a little bit, but we're kind of picking it apart a little bit more, digging at the meat a little bit more of it, and talking about the first episodes maybe that we remember watching. Of course, for Jason, it's a little easier (laughs) for him to remember this stuff because he started more recently. I watched my first episode approximately 34, 35 years ago. So (laughs) I watched my first episode before Jason was even born. Uh, So things are a little bit hazier for me. I've actually had to go back and do research to remember specific episodes and stuff that I watched as a kid. And it makes it more difficult because about 85% probably of the episodes that I watched or the story arcs rather that I watched I never got to watch the whole thing. I either got three quarters of it or two thirds of it, or maybe if I was lucky, four fifths of it, you know, something like that. You know? <laughs> but yeah, when you end up skipping the last episode of one story arc and maybe missing the first episode of the next story arc and you come back and you're going, Oh, okay. I'll just go with it. You know, (laughs) you tend to have certain things run together and it becomes more difficult to follow storylines and things like that. Uh, so I actually had to go back and do research just so that I could remember the very first episode I ever watched. Well, but we're glad you did. (laughs) Before we get into ours, we, we did pose this question to our, our listeners on Facebook. And we got a couple of responses. So Garth Emery Schaefer uh, says that it was one of the, the middle episodes of Planet of Evil, which is a fourth Doctor episode. He, he said one of the weird things, though, was the way that they were playing it. They played that episode of Planet of Evil, and then the next half hour, they showed the first episode of Castrovalva, which is the fifth doctor's first episode <laughs> that's funny that's uh, eric a bit confusing a bit, just a bit <laughs> eric marshall says his first episode was planet of the ood a friend was watching it one day at college and he was bored and sat down and watched it as well the rest is history uh, zachary kaiser says it was genesis of the daleks april simmons girl in the fireplace that's a good episode to kick off doctor who with and then richard Everill says Leisure Hive, which is a Fourth Doctor and Romana 2 story. Spoilers. For those of you who are wondering, well, what, 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 what is your first episode? Well, my first episode, and I'll get more into why this is my first episode later in a, in a minute is actually going to be Rebel, please. <laughs> the Aztecs. Yes, the Aztecs featuring the first Doctor. <laughs> yes, I my first ever Doctor Who <laughs> exposure 
watching a complete episode was the Aztecs. I may have seen clips or trailers before then, but I, that was my that was my first exposure to Doctor Who in any meaningful way. What about you? What was your first episode? Well, it's kind of funny because I never would have realized this had I not gone back and done research. It turns out the reason why uh, Genesis of the Daleks holds such a high place uh, in my uh, classic Who favorites is because it happened to be the first story arc that I ever watched. <laughs> Which I was talking to Jason about it uh, a minute ago, and that fully explains the reason why I never realized the TARDIS was a time machine or any of those different things that you Until know I didn't pick up on immediately. Yeah, because yeah. the TARDIS um, doesn't make an appearance in Genesis of the Daleks at all. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no TARDIS. There's no canine. You know, I don't even think there's a Sonic in that. Is there? I don't remember right off the bat. Uh yes, there is. I don't remember if he uses it very much, but it, it does get thrown in with all of his stuff when it's he's emptying not his pockets. It's very prevalent. Right. I, I, I just, you know, all of the different things that I came to love about Doctor Who, the majority of them were not in the episodes. <laughs> uh, but this, the episodes are so well written, and the story is so, the way that, that they pulled it off was just so great that uh, even without all that stuff in it, at that age especially i was like yeah i'm watching this and uh especially with tom baker oh yes you know tom baker oh man he's still you know i don't care how many doctors come uh after him he will always be my doctor you know (laughs) so the reason why the aztecs was my first episode that i ever watched and i i may have mentioned this before in a previous podcast but uh, I had friends telling me, I would really like the show. You should really check it out. But start with the new series because it's not as corny or cheesy as the classic series. And I'm the kind of guy <laughs> who doesn't mind a bit of corny cheesiness and can overlook it. And I'm also the kind of guy that wants to follow a series and a character from the beginning. And so when I found out that Netflix at the time, not anymore because Netflix is stupid, <laughs> had a few classic doctor stories on there very few at the time i I only had netflix i didn't know hulu plus had a wealth of doctor who at the time which doesn't anymore stupid hulu but the only one of the (laughs) first doctor that they had was the aztecs so that's where i started my first question that i wanted to to ask about these is you know what what did you think of the doctor and he was an interesting character in in that story And, and for those of you who who aren't Aware the Aztecs is from the first season of Doctor Who. Uh, Ian, Barbara, Susan, and the Doctor all land in ancient South and Central America among the Aztecs. And due to a bracelet that Barbara picks up, she is mistaken for a god. Yeah. And the TARDIS is trapped inside a tomb that can only be opened from the inside because that was where the god was buried. And it's... Oh, it, it's available for the do- the god to come out, but no one else can go in. So the TARDIS is still in there. Everyone else has come out, and it's closed behind them. So they have to figure out a way to get back to the TARDIS. And Barbara decides that she wants to change history and turn the Aztecs from a people that includes human sacrifice to a people that are much more kind and civilized. And, of course... It- that never goes quite the way anyone wants it to. But uh, the Doctor is not quite as prevalent 
in the series back then as he is now. Uh, it was a bit more of an even casting. Yeah, especially in season one. Right. Uh, Ian and Barbara could almost be considered the top build mm-hmm. cast. But William Hartnell's Doctor was definitely one of the more intriguing elements of that story for me. He was he seemed wise and but sharp and a little not not whimsical but a little and I, and I I'm stealing a word here from Peter Capaldi a little magical in a sense. Yeah, he had a, a lot of mystery. Oh yeah. A lot incredibly of mystery. mysterious. I liked him. I liked him as the doctor and I was like I like this character. I'm interested to see where he goes. And and so even though it was classic Doctor Who first doctor black and white cheesy sets and backdrops i liked the show from the get-go and uh it, it reminded me of, of you know very inexpensive theater productions i'd been a part of to be perfectly honest um <laughs> so i liked it and and i thought he was a great character so i'm gonna turn that around and ask you how did you come to watch genesis of the daleks and what did you think of the doctor completely by accident <laughs> We had four television channels. Yeah, people today hear that and they're like, oh, my God, I would die. (laughs) You know, we had four television channels. We had ABC, NBC, CBS, and ETV, which was educational television. Ah. And ETV played things from the BBC on the weekend. So they would play uh, Doctor Who. They would play uh, Who's Minding the Store. Um you know, some of those different BBC shows. So, you know, I, I'm about eight at the time. And, of course, only having four channels, you're kind of, you know, just flipping through all four of them to try to see what's going to come on that won't put you to sleep. Gotcha. You know? And so I'm, I'm flipping the channels, and I come up on this show, and the first thing that I think of is this looks kind of like, Lost in space, you know, <laughs> because when I was a little bitty kid, I used to watch reruns of Lost in Space on uh, like the cable stations at my grandmother's house. You know, it just so happened to be Genesis of the Daleks. There you go. You know, and so it's the the introduction of Davros. It's, you know, my first introduction to the fourth doctor. It was just awesome. It was a, a level of storytelling that I wasn't used to seeing in that type of show as a kid, especially, you know, because it was just so much richer and so much deeper and so much more, I guess, mature in the way that it told the story while still being relatable to people, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you know. And so uh, that was probably the thing that caught my attention the, the most. Of course, Davros and the Daleks, didn't hurt. Right. You know, but what did um, you think of the doctor after watching that? He was Tom Baker often says that when he played the doctor, he just played himself. <laughs> and I guess to a certain extent, that's a little bit true. But to me, it was like I got the doctor on a whole other level. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I somehow could relate to that character. And even though he would say things that people didn't understand, he would you know, make jokes that nobody else would get. I got it. And I was like, yeah, this is my people, you know? (laughs) I was immediately hooked from the jump with Tom Baker's doctor. He was just on a different level uh, from pretty much any other character that I had seen, especially in a 
quote unquote kids show, uh, which let's be honest, you can call it a kids show. It's for all ages. But yeah, he was just, it's like you said before, he was mysterious. He was whimsical. He was fantastic, you know, and I mean that in, in the sense of full of fantasy, you know, He, he drew me in, you know, he had this specific type of charisma that even when he was doing something unlikable, he was still a likable character. And I think that's one of the things that I was picking up on in the season nine that we watched. I think that's why I kept making comments of, I can see Tom Baker in this because there were things that happened in Peter Capaldi's doctor that even though he might be doing something unlikable, he was still a likable character. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You still had that essence there that you had with Tom Baker. Not the performance necessarily, but there was just that essence there. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why he has made me so nostalgic to go back and watch the Tom Baker episodes and stuff. Very nice. (laughs) Very nice. So the next question I want to spur on some discussion with is, is what did you think of the premise? And by premise, you know, the, the idea of, of that of the show that they were doing at the time. So of course, with the Aztecs, for me, uh, they're traveling back in time, and they they landed at a period in a history, and they get involved. and And the big premise about this is: can you change history, and what does that mean, and is that okay? That's a similar thing. It is. It is. <laughs> um, Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. <laughs> But there's one distinct difference between yours and mine. Mine is real history. Yours is <laughs> fantasy history. Wait. But yes, no, but, but it, it is, it is one of those interesting ideas and elements. And the idea that they're in this police box that's bigger on the inside that can travel in time and space, you know, something, you know, you get quickly with, with the Aztecs and the premise that they find themselves in the middle of this situation where they are going to be for good or bad, the center point of this festival uh, to pray to the rain gods and to bring rain back to the the land, and it will include a human sacrifice. And how everyone gets involved in some way or another, you know, with this situation. And and it's one of those things where I bought into the idea. I'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to shows. You give me a premise for a show, and I'll be like, okay, I will go with this. And what kicks me out is when you start going against your premise more than anything. Jump, jumping, jumping the shark, the shark so or, yeah. you know, deviating too far, that sort of thing. I will accept the world of whatever TV show or movie from the get-go as a matter of principle. And if things mm-hmm. stay true to that world, I will go with it. Whether or not I like it or, you know, how much I like it or not, it just depends on the content of it. But... Uh, I, I give everything the benefit of the doubt and wait and see how it unfolds before I decide whether or not I like it. But everything stayed right. very true to that idea, and they were taking very careful work to stay true to this whole concept of the show that I was getting from this episode. And I liked it. And, I, and the, the dedication to that theme, to that idea, to that concept mm-hmm. was in everything. Because you you had, of course, 
Ian and Barbara who were 1960s Earth and they would comment about how interesting and amazing it is to be walking through history and that sort of thing. And then you've got the Doctor and Susan who are Time Lords from Gallifrey. You know, obviously we didn't know that was where they were from at at that point, (laughs) but they're aliens from another time, another world, and they have a much broader idea and much more uh, advanced thinking and uh, thought process uh, when in regards to certain topics than anyone else does. And so I bought into that, seeing Susan telling the high priests to his face that I'm not going through with an arranged marriage. I'll marry who I like, and that's my decision only. I went, oh, that's not good to say, Susan. Not in this situation, (laughs) but it made sense for the situation. I bought into it, and I really liked the premise. So, yeah. Just, it's a little off topic, but I just been stuck in my head for days and I just wanted to ask okay. you because I was going to bring it up the next time we talked about the first doctor. Did, did it ever bug you that they never actually called Susan by her real name? She was going by Susan Foreman because they were at the Foreman's, you know, junkyard. Okay. But she has a Gallifreyan name that they never used. To be perfectly honest, it has never crossed my mind. <laughs> I just thought about that because obviously her Gallifreyan name is not Susan. Or is it? You know. And they just added the foreman. No. <laughs> I just wondered if that had ever crossed It had, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> now it's going to uh, keep me awake at night. But it was, I guess, a couple of weeks ago I saw something online uh, that was talking about Susan's real Gallifreyan name. I don't even remember what it is at this point. But at, at that point I was like, you know. That's right. <laughs> they never used her real name at all. And then she just left the show and everybody was still calling her Susan. And that's not her given name. That's her alias. So Maybe she yeah. changed her name and adopted her name for the trip. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. I just thought that was a little side note. So as a kid watching Genesis of the Daleks, what did you think of the whole premise of the show? And and did you like it? Well, I liked it for what I saw of the... the I didn't get the, the true premise until I was able to watch following episode story arcs after that. But I liked what I saw from the beginning. But if my memory serves me correctly, the next episode that I saw was Planet of Evil. Okay. But I never actually saw the entire story. I just saw part uh-huh. of it. I have an entire list of episodes here that I can remember specifically seeing portions of those episodes, but I can't remember whether or not I saw the entire episode or just part of the episode. Like I said, a lot of it runs together. I know that uh, the first time I saw the TARDIS and the first time that I realized it's bigger on the inside, I was just hooked at that point. I was like, yeah, this is my kind of show, <laughs> you know? And, of course, then the introduction of K-9, to me, just pulled me in further, you know, because, I mean, what eight-year-old kid doesn't like a robot dog? Exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Especially one that talks oh, yeah. and, you know, shoots lasers and, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was just... Primitive master. You know. So, yeah, uh, I was hooked. I I love the way that one episode basically just bookended with the next one. 
you know, so it feels like an ongoing story, which makes it feel like even though you have separate story arcs, it doesn't feel like separate story arcs. It feels like just an ongoing story, you know, and I loved that about the show because most shows that I watched back then were self-contained. Right. Like you go back to like the classic Star Trek or whatever. They had a... I guess a level of continuity or a level of canon, but every single episode was self-contained. It was like star date, blah, 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 you know, and it's, yeah, and it's never this, consecutive. Yeah. It's like what happens in this episode doesn't really affect what happens in the next one. And the one after that, and the one after that, because everybody kind of starts back over at point a, and even in the next generation series, it started out that way. The point being that most shows of that time didn't operate in a ongoing, continual change to the story. And this, this did that basically from the beginning. And so that kind of intrigued me because it was like, Oh, people can die in this show. Oh, people can leave this show this is going to make changes on down the road, like ripples in a pond, mm-hmm. you know? And I liked that kind of storytelling. I liked the fact that everything felt sequential as opposed to, okay, episode one, point A, point B, point C. Episode two, point A, point B, point C. And it just always goes back to point A. Gotcha. You know? So that was another thing that really kept me wanting to come back and watch it. Cool. The next uh, topic of you know discussion that I want to bring up for our, our first episodes um, is, was there a standout character besides the Doctor? Because obviously, the Doctor being the Doctor, you know, he stands out. For me, in the Aztecs, uh, I would have to say it's Barbara. Because she's the one that gets put in this position of power. You know, where she is believed to be mm-hmm the goddess and an incarnation of the goddess. And so she has to deal with the two high priests, the high priest of knowledge and the high priest of sacrifice. The Toxel is the high priest of sacrifice. Not a nice guy. Yeah. You know, primarily the villain of it. And the high priest of knowledge uh, is a much more reasonable man, but he's sort of on the outside in his way of thinking when it comes to the people at large. So Mm -hmm. while she has, influence with the high priest of knowledge it only goes so far but she has to walk this political tightrope as she tries to not only protect the doctor and her friends but also as she herself tries to push this agenda of no more human sacrifice for the aztecs Mm -hmm. and it kind of backfires on her by the end of it and it's only through some quick thinking and acting by Ian and the doctor that everyone is able to escape uh, in the end without themselves having to face uh, sacrifice. But she is, is probably the most dynamic character of that story besides the doctor and, and everything that she has to go through and the, the whole idea of wanting to make things better. But what that, that actually brings about for the people and the place at the time and how that affects everything is interesting. Okay. Um, does Davros count? (laughs) (laughs) 
how did I know that you were going to pick Davros? Yes. Well, it's it's the whole uh, outer space Hitler uh-huh. thing, you know, because especially for a seven, eight, nine year old kid, he can be kind of creepy, mm-hmm. you know, in the fact that uh, they didn't really pull their punches with him and really just kind of let him do his thing and really just bring that darkness out and stuff. Just I found that fascinating. You know, I'll be honest with you. Kids really don't like you to pander to them. They like for you to give them intellectual material to stimulate their minds. Mm. And that is what this story arc does. I could let my son watch this and he's not going to feel like this is kitty stuff. He's going to feel like that this is pretty much hardcore grade A storytelling. The fact that in you know a show that was supposed to be considered a kid show that they would have a character that was that dark uh, in that he basically committed genocide and had no problems doing so i felt like that was a pretty big thing for me when i was a kid you don't see a lot of villains on shows that consider kid shows that are that kind of a villain right a lot of them are maybe surface, you know, scary or whatever, but underneath they've got no real teeth. You know, it's kind of like the, the animated Masters of the Universe show from back in the the 80s or whatever, you know, with Skeletor. You know, I'll get you, He-Man, and he never does anything. He just, he's right. all talk, you know. But then when the rubber hits the road, uh, he runs, and... You didn't get that with Davros. Davros was, oh, uh, I'll kill you now, you know. <laughs> and he he really intrigued me in that way. And really for that particular story arc, because of the companions taking such a back seat and everything, uh, he's going to be kind of the clear choice for this the non-Doctor character that's going to yeah. catch your attention. It really is. Uh, I can totally, totally agree with that. Then I got to experience Sarah Jane and fell in love with that character. So How could you not fall in love with Sarah Jane? <laughs> All right. So the last point that I really want to bring up uh, about these episodes, um, and of course, if you have anything else you want to bring up about it, we can do that too. But was there a particular memorable moment from the episode or story that you want to talk about? And for me, it goes back to when Barbara decides what she wants to do now that she's got this power. Mm-hmm. And she tells the doctor, and the doctor gets almost furious with her and he says you can't rewrite history not one line and he's Mm -hmm. adamant about that and of course as the show progresses over the years the doctor decides well maybe i can well maybe i can fudge history maybe i can just help history along and that sort of thing but at least in his early days the doctor was adamantly against interfering with history you can't change history not one line and as the show progressed and as Barbara's goals progressed throughout the story, you kept hearing that echoing in the back of your head like you can't change history. You can't change history. And at the end of the day, even though she tried, history just went right along and kept continuing on without any mm-hmm. help or hindrance from Barbara. You know, it, it's not an action packed story by any stretch of the imagination. It's a much more intellectual story. But that's the element of it that sticks out 
so much in the Aztecs is you can't change history, not one line. And even though you try, it's hard to do it anyways. It's hard to go against history anyways, even if you try to go against history. But he's adamant that you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. And it's interesting to see yeah. how he's changed over his regenerations with his attitude towards that. But that was one of the things that stuck out as the most memorable moment for me in the Aztecs. The most memorable moment for me is a similar moment to yours. Uh, it's actually the moment where the doctor has the two wires and he's standing there asking the question, do I have the right to do this? It's it's a very, very deep, dark moment in the show for me because you, you have this incarnation of the doctor that is usually more whimsical and more teethy grin and witty banter who is standing there literally looking like he's about to fall apart. Uh, And you can tell that he is just tormented about whether or not he should make this decision. And you almost feel like that you have the little angel devil thing going on on his shoulder because you have Sarah Jane standing there over his shoulder saying, you have to do this. You have to do what the, the Time Lords have commissioned you to do and he's standing there going but i don't know if i have the right to do this i don't know if this is the right thing to do because this would make me just like the dollar you can you can almost you, you know can almost hear the first doctor over his other shoulder going you yeah. can't change history not one line you exactly know, you almost hear exactly. that happening oh my gosh you know? now i want to see someone yes. make a video with that maybe i'll have to do that one of these days <laughs> Yeah, that, oh, dude. Now every time I watch that scene, I'm going to think about that, you know? Um, And and sometimes I don't even know if the writers intend for those things to parallel the way that they do, but sometimes they just fit so well together that it almost feels like it wrote itself. But yeah, that moment uh, for me, uh, really, without being Mm. preachy, really kind of opened my eyes a a bit about that type of thing and and made me think about, you know, if I do something that is the same as what so-and-so would do to me, then I'm no better than they are. And that's, you know, that was something that was stayed with me all the way through high school and on up into adulthood, because even if you know, as a kid or whatever, if if I was being bullied by somebody or anything like that, I wasn't going to turn around and treat them the way they treated me because I didn't want to turn into them, you know. And so that was kind of a morality tale mm-hmm. for me, I guess, you know. And you don't really, I guess, think about that directly at, at the moment when you're a kid. But then when you go back and think about it, you realize just how those types of little bits and pieces and shows like this actually yeah. affected you. Definitely. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to uh, bring up or talk about as far as, you know, first episodes? Can I briefly go over this list of Fourth Doctor episodes that I specifically remember seeing? Sure. Uh, now, these are the ones that I can actually remember seeing pieces of. I'm sure there are probably a few that I don't have in here because I just can't actually remember. These are the ones that I know I at least saw one episode of the story okay. arc from of course the genesis of the daleks uh planet of evil okay that's a fun seeds of doom and i i kind of feel like planet of evil and seeds of doom sort of kind of ran together in my memory because there's pieces of each one that i can't just you know tell the difference between really and then uh the hand of fear is sarah jane's last episode i i i 
I didn't see all of that. I only saw the back part of it because I only remember seeing Sarah Jane leaving. I don't remember seeing the majority okay. of that story. And so I uh, realized it was the same episode when I went back as an adult and watched it again until I got closer to the end of it. And then I was like, I remember <laughs> watching this. I just didn't get to see the whole part go. at the beginning, you know. And then uh, The Deadly Assassin. I can't remember a lot of specifics about that, but I remember the scenes where the doctor was dressed in his Gallifreyan garb. And I do remember glimpses of the master. In his skeletal uh, I, form. I, yeah. But I could not really tell you what really happened in the episode because I've not gone back and watched it. And I'm going to, of course, do that when we discuss our master episodes anyway. So I was kind of holding gotcha. off on that. Then, uh, the robots of death. I remember pieces okay. of that. Uh, well, oh, that's the, the one uh, with the, uh, the, the miner and the, the robots that, that yeah. turn evil with the red eyes. And those, those robots are yeah. kind of creepy looking to, to me. Yes. You know, I actually um, have, I actually have and, a, a novel that's sort of a, a follow up story to that. Um, it's called, uh, The Corpse Maker by Chris Bocher. So nice. That's that's in the Doctor Who monster series that came out a year or two ago. Nice. I saw pieces of Horror uh, Fangrock, uh, but I didn't see the end of it. So I never saw the Rutan uh, until I got to be an adult. Um, but I remember that beginning of that scaring the crap out of me when I was a kid. Maybe that's why I didn't know. watch the end. And I remember seeing pieces of Underworld. Underworld. Um, Which one was that? I can't remember enough of it to tell you. I just remember character seeing characters from it. You know, it is that a Doctor Romana you know, too? No. Uh. Uh-uh. No. Which one is that? Um, I feel like I may have. No, that one. I think that one has uh, Leela. Yeah, I think that one has her in it. I believe. Give me a second. I'm googling. Um, See, some of these are literally just okay. flashes. You know, I literally just remember, okay, I remember seeing that character that wasn't in any other episode, you know. Okay, re- real quick, um, there's a brief synopsis of Underworld uh, here on the TARDIS wiki that I want to just read. On the edge of the universe, the Doctor, Leela, and K-9 encounter a minion ship, that's M-I-N-Y-A-N, on an epic quest to find their race banks. But their people have encountered the Time Lords before. Dot dot dot. So apparently they don't like Time Lords. I don't like I said, I don't remember a whole lot about that episode. I just remember enough about it to know that I saw at least okay. part of it. Uh but then I remember uh the invasion of time. I remember pieces of that. And then I remember seeing uh at least part of uh the ribos operation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first part uh, of the key to time where, uh, season where Romana first uh-huh. shows up. I remember seeing portions of that, but I couldn't tell you actually at the time what happened in the story. You know, I, because I didn't see enough of it, and I specifically remember uh, it having K nine in it and r- having Romana one in it. Um, but uh, then I went from that. Seeing uh, portions of uh, the power of Kroll, 
Okay, that's, that's also um, from the key to time. And then I remember season. seeing, um, I remember seeing portions of uh, the Stones of Blood, also from that season. Uh, and then I remember seeing uh, portions of Destiny of the Daleks, because I remember specifically seeing the Movellans, um, and also the scene where uh, Romana keeps changing faces. <laughs> I think that is something that that I really didn't remember until just recently because when I was a kid, I did not remember Romana doing that. Gotcha. You know, but I think back on it now and I can remember from seeing it back then, but it just didn't register with me. You know, that's the reason why uh, I just assumed that Romana 1 and Romana 2, they just changed the actress and and uh, moved on because I probably wasn't paying enough attention to what was going on in the scene at the time for it to even register. Gotcha. From there, I remember seeing city of death. Ah, I remember, I remember specifically the guy with the mossy looking green head and the big one eye in the middle. That scared the crap out of me (laughs) when I was a kid, you know, that's actually one of Tom Um, Baker's funnier episodes. And I don't remember very much about it, but I do remember seeing uh, portions of the Leisure okay. Hive. Like I said, it's very, very, very vague. Probably the only re- reason that I even remember that I had seen any of it is because I remember seeing the title come up uh, when I was watching the episodes. And I remember thinking, what is that? You know. And I, I know that I saw parts of that as a kid because I've not gone back and watched that as an adult. So... Then I saw portions of the E-Space trilogy okay. um, because that's when Adric yes. came in um, and that's when Romana left. Um, I don't remember seeing the portion where Romana left, but I do remember seeing Adric come gotcha. on the scene. I remember seeing the Keeper of Traken, uh because I remember seeing that big robot statue mm-hmm. thing, you know, uh, that's in that. Uh, and then uh, I specifically remember seeing pieces of Legopolis because I remember seeing the doctor regenerate and freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, you know, uh, and then I had to get used to Peter Davidson. So, <laughs> there you go. yeah, There's- but uh, just a real quick rundown on that. That's all the fourth Doctor episodes that I can specifically remember seeing pieces of. Yep. So, a Quick trip down memory lane for Paul. <laughs> Alright. Well, this has been fun. It's been very nostalgic. Very nostalgic and a great way to celebrate our first anniversary of Talking Time Lords. So, uh, I do want to let <laughs> you guys know that we may take a week or two off here depending on how things all pan out. Uh, due to my work schedule and the fact that I'm getting ready and will be going to Comic-Con, Phoenix Comic-Con, that is, uh, here at the end of the month. And uh, hopefully we will have some stuff for you from the convention. Uh, but once I get back from Phoenix Comic-Con and we get back into the swing of things, we will pick up with our Dalek episode reviews uh, with, of course, Dalek featuring Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor. So that will be fun. So that's the plan. Uh, we're going to be probably taking a little bit of a break, probably one or two episodes devoted to Phoenix Comic Con, depending on how much stuff I'm able to get. And we'll, we'll see what panels I'm able to attend. And 
Uh, I, I applied for interviews with the four Doctor Who actors, the actors who play River, uh, Rose, Strax, and Lady Vastra. Uh, so if I get any of those interviews, we'll definitely hear them on the show. Uh, but I've applied. They don't have a lot of time for interviews during the convention, but we'll see what happens. So Yeah, it would be really cool to get some interviews for the uh, podcast. The guests and their, their handlers are the ones who decide who gets interviews and you know how many they do. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens if I'm able to get any of them. But that would be amazing. It would be amazing. <laughs> but anything else, Paul, about our first episodes or about one year uh, doing the show? I'm just looking forward to this next year because, you know, as much as things have grown and, and uh, evolved and everything over this first year, I, I'm excited to see what year two is going to bring. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like that it can only go up from here. I, agree. I mean, just think about this a year ago, we had no listeners, no community, no uh, uh, online presence mm-hmm. at all. And now we've actually got people re- you know, replying to our polls and things for the show and, and sending in like their, their first episode that they can remember watching and things like that, you know, and, uh, the, the more of that we get as a community, the more fun this is going to yeah. be. I really am looking forward to interacting with our listeners and just making this the best thing that it can be. Indeed. And if you want to interact with us and get involved with year two of Talking Time Lords, uh, be sure to hit us up on our social <laughs> media. That's facebook.com slash Talking Time Lords. Uh, you can tweet us at, at Talking Time Lord. Or email us at talkingtimelords at gmail.com. Our website is the best place to uh, get links to all of those, as well as links to all of our previously released episodes, uh, which is talkingtimelords.com, our TARDIS on the Internet. So, anything else, Paul, before we round out this episode? Just can't wait to record our next one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, and just for the record, guys, when we say take a break, we're talking about a week, yeah. maybe two, and then we'll be coming back with our, either our Comic-Con episodes or our uh, Dalek episodes for you guys, uh, and I think we'll have some great stuff for you to listen yes, to. exactly. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 40, A Year of Adventure. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.
I believe that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 140, A Year of Adventure. No, episode Let me go ahead 40. And <laughs> I'm used to saying 100. <laughs> 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 <laughs>